you will be singing the entrance theme of the Intercontinental Champion, Dolph Ziggler. Dolph is, of course, your pro, so have at it. I am perfection. on the tron. Go check the scores again. Call mine a perfect ten. They broke the mold when they made me. I'm a professional athlete. Don't boo me. I'm better than all of you. The future is now. Welcome back to another episode of Half K NXT. Your boy, Nando O'Brien. And your boy, L Truth, raise the roof. Uh, raising the roof, L Truth style. Of course, that's the only way we got to raise it, baby. You know, I was, uh, I was actually listening to the playlist to make sure uh, I updated it correctly with the theme orders. And I went down a rabbit hole where I wanted to see if I could listen to your uh, your cousin R Truth's like music on Spotify, but I got sidetracked because it took me to just like R Truth's like profile on Spotify, and he literally has like five versions of the same song. <laughs> now <laughs> I'm gonna let you guess which which ones they are based on. It's it's literally it's five versions of what's up. Can you remember Man. what what other iterations are there of, of of the what's up theme? It's like what's up? Get rowdy. No, not it. E- and does he have like So this is like it's like five different versions of what's up? Yeah, it's literally just five different versions of what's up. <laughs> not even So it's in- gotta be like what's up? Uh Probably the instrumental. Yeah, yeah. What's yeah. up? And the regular version. Yeah. Maybe a what's up acapella. And then- <laughs> <laughs> so, it, so you is you're there a right. remix? Are there like two remixes or something? Yeah, like yeah. That? I mean, I mean the little are- Jimmy mix. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's there's so there's remixes. You got you got three of them pretty much. <laughs> so, so yeah, you're right. It's the the normal one that we all know. Then there's like a rock instrumental version where. It's the same one, but there's like extra guitar riff. Extra, wow. Yeah, but the, but yeah, it's like instrumental, so he's not singing on that one. And then yeah, there's like a little Jimmy version where it's like the one where he just says uh, the truth will set you free. Uh, and then and then he goes the, into the song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's like the Miz and our truth version where it's like awesome. And then it says the truth set you free. And then the last one that I totally forgot is that he did a remix and 
this one's an actual remix where he did one with uh when he was teaming up with Goldust. So this one, it's where it's like it starts off with Goldust. Oh, it's the Golden Truth. Yeah, yeah, the Golden Truth one. <laughs> so it's the one where it starts off with Goldust theme, and then it goes into the beginning of What's Up. But then like Truth wrote like new lyrics. Yeah, or like yeah, it's yeah, the yeah. Golden Truth. Yeah, 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 dude. I was like, <laughs> that's. I never knew that there was so many iterations of the same hey, song. That's- that's what happens when you like you're a wrestler, yeah, and you're a musician. Like our truth is a serious musician too, so it's, it's not a surprise to me that he probably like gets in the studio with whoever's making the theme songs and yeah, like yeah. does his thing with them. And he's probably like hella easy to work with. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I, my I, goodness, I, I I just literally went on that rabbit hole like the other night. So I was just like, okay, I need I need to bring this up. <laughs> Oh, that damn cousin of mine. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> welcome back. Uh, obviously, we already went on our first tangent of the night, but uh, th- thanks again for everyone who tuned into our season premiere last week where, uh, yeah, really appreciate the support and the love that everybody did where, um, of course, like listening to the episode and then uh, sharing it on social media. We, we truly appreciate it. And uh, yeah, like if um if this is your first time listening based on those recommendations uh as i mentioned last week we do have an archive list of seasons already where we've done seasons one through three so you can check those out of course on the same uh podcast platforms and yeah as of uh i'm pretty sure by the time that this this uh episode goes out i'm surprised that my voice is still active because we have our royal rumble uh retro videos that are on our youtube channel and i um did some recordings earlier that i'm surprised that my voice is still holding up right now because uh they were pretty rough (laughs) nice uh if in case if uh you're listening to this and haven't checked it out we'll we'll play it at the end of the review and you'll also get uh el truth's genuine reaction based on uh based on the audio so uh perfect make sure to stick around make sure to stick around after the review for that one cool so we'll get started here since it's uh a pretty i would say a pretty jam-packed episode when it comes to like the storylines and the matches so we'll definitely get kicked off here so this is technically nxt episode 43 the second episode in season four this happened on December 14th, 2010 at the Cajun Dome in Lafayette, Louisiana. 
Um, yeah. Do you do do you know how far Lafayette is from uh, New Orleans by any chance? Uh no idea. No idea. Yeah. I think uh, that might be the. Is that the capital? I think you're no, right. Baton yeah. Rouge is the capital. Oh, no, yeah. Baton Rouge is the capital of Louisiana. Lafayette mm-hmm. is just like another one of them random, not random, but like it's like another like known city out there. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think you're right. Out back in Louisiana, I know they've definitely been in Louisiana before um, on previous episodes, but I can't remember if they were specifically in the in the Cajun Dome. Uh, so yeah, we start off the episode no video package which i was kind of surprised where i thought they would at least give a rundown of the um of the season premiere but yeah for some reason there wasn't any intro so we get right into the um the standard uh intro then we go straight into the first rookie challenge and i think i had in no my pyro notes. yeah yeah I, I was gonna say like i had no that pyro it. either i'm like oh no like we just started like what happened <laughs> did they did they give up on it already thought you guys messed this up already yeah so i'm, I'm a little bit worried watching the next episode because i'm gonna be kind of sad if they don't <laughs> bring it back but yeah uh we start off the show with matt striker introducing all the uh all the pairs and i think the first note that we both had here was our our boy uh connor o'brien sporting his new ratitude t-shirt which i'm too good i i i think i have to kind of look that up and see if if we need to like replicate it on our on on our own online shop because i really don't remember that t-shirt at all so definitely we hopefully we make this happen yeah oh and uh lafayette lafayette to new orleans is it looks like a couple hours. Oh, okay. So it's oh yeah, it's not far. It's not that far at all. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah. So it's like a couple hour drive. And then yeah, even Byron Saxon comes out in his own. I don't even know what that was. I I know I saw the le- the initials BS on there, but I I don't even know what design he had on on the other side of the Me shirt. Me either. Like I I was looking too. I, was like, I don't know if that's like a. I you know what I couldn't even guess on what I thought it was because it was just Mm-mm. so not specific or whatever it was supposed to be. Yeah, but it was just still good to just see him have it his own gear. I guess. Yeah, that's true. So we've seen this on previous seasons where, oh, uh, yeah, even last week with Brodus Clay just coming out on a T-shirt that just says his name. At, at least it's like it's good for whoever's watching. It it makes it pretty clear, like who he is and everything so yeah yeah you don't have to guess it's just like oh i wonder oh never mind it's yeah right <laughs> that, that's him <laughs> uh <Enough> said <laughs> striker kind of goes o- over the rules of this challenge and this is the first time that they do a karaoke contest on nxt and the rules are pretty pretty standard where uh they'll just perform a song and then the live crowd will kind of decide the winner. But the twist is that he gives each of the rookies a mystery envelope that has a entrance theme. So it's not any licensed music or anything. It's literally just their in-house uh, uh, wrestling entrance themes. So I totally forgot about this. Of course, I probably don't even think I even watched this episode when it originally came out. So this one really took me off guard. I was like, oh, this is going to be pretty, pretty entertaining just to see like what songs they get and like how they end up end up singing them. Uh, 
so the first one is our boy Connor O'Brien, and he ends up getting Seamus's theme song. I think <laughs> I think what I'll end up doing is I'll probably uh do like a quick cut of of all the of all the songs of all the songs so people can take a a, a snippet from it. But uh we'll kind of go through it here and yeah, like it's funny because the crowd instantly booed him like once he finished but even matt striker gave uh o'brien some props at the end of it saying like oh you know it was it wasn't it wasn't actually that bad <laughs> I, he tried you know he tried to yeah, do it in character too yeah <clears throat> he did a little like accent and i was like oh you know what i'm not mad at this yeah 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 and i think kind of how you mentioned in in uh like who really does know the lyrics you know like and 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 we're talking of of course about his first theme song like if people are are listening to this now uh it's not his instrumental one obviously it's like his first like theme song with the with the lyrics and everything nobody knows the lyrics to that song that is probably the most of those words that anybody has ever actually heard coming from like connor yeah exactly so uh and yeah to kind of give a uh, a visual, they pretty much had it on the on the Titantron where it was simple. As far as a uh, if you're if you're talking karaoke specifics, it's probably a terrible karaoke system because it's literally the lyrics and there's not even like a highlight bar to let you know like how, like give you the cadence or like the rhythm or nothing. Yeah, yeah. So it's like it's it's not the rookie's fault that they're totally off uh, off rhythm because there's nothing to guide them at that point. So. When it comes nah, to bruh, like, they supposed to be nah, bro. They supposed to be like into it, and you gotta know, you gotta know the rhythm to the songs as soon as you hear them, because I, those these are your peers almost. Your, yeah, yeah. Your you predecessors. know, you know who would know it if they did it during season three though. It would have been AJ. She would have got it for sure. I'm, I'm. You know what? I feel like they really missed out on an opportunity there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like it, just with that whole season, just like they they just had them like sing it. Yeah. Could have found some like real talent. Yeah. Like AJ probably wouldn't even have needed like the lyrics. He probably just would have sang it like from memory. <laughs> Absolutely. Afterwards, we get uh, Derek, uh, Derek Bateman, and he got the Mrs. theme song. And <laughs> so I think we were talking about this before we uh, started recording it. I think your, your, uh, your analysis is probably better. <laughs> Dude, like off the hook. So I was like sitting there and I was watching it. I was like, oh, look, they're both from Ohio. He knows the, the way that this song goes. And then he just goes on. And then like I started typing. I don't even remember what I started typing. Yeah. But then like Jamie turned around and was like, why do white people have no rhythm? And I was like, <laughs> oh, man. And then uh, at the end, Bateman went for a cheap pop by saying like something out there was awesome. I think he either said like one of the schools or like something oh, out yeah, there yeah. was awesome. I was like, oh, cheap pop, smart guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did his homework. And it worked because, yeah, the crowd ended up cheering for him at the end. So, yeah. Cheater. He's, he's, he's going about it the smart way, but yeah, pretty, pretty clever. <laughs> uh, afterwards, then we get Jacob Novak. Uh, he got Dolph Ziggler's team. And what was funny is that as soon as they announced it, like the crowd already booed. So I, I like this because, yeah, like, it was the same thing that happened to him last week where the audience was already booing him right away before he even said anything in his promo. So he's already becoming out of the rookies anyway, the top heel from uh from the group. So I thought it was just interesting that like 
at this point, no matter what he does, he's already getting good good heel heat from from the crowd. So, um, but I had here that he actually, I think he did a pretty good job, and he he uh, kind of played it up too. Even though that he was a heel, he still kind of got into the into the song and everything. That's true. I mean, and then at the same time, he kind of had to because that was like his boy. So you mm-hmm. can't go out there and make Ziggy look bad like that. You're supposed to know the worst better than everybody else. That's true. Yeah. Afterwards, then Brodus ends up getting our boy uh, dashing Cody Rhodes' theme song, and <laughs> I I didn't know if he was even gonna try it, but yeah, he ended up going for it, where he at least tried to like sing along. He didn't get into it, but he was at least trying. You know, he like did it in character, like yeah. how Brodus Clay would like if they would have got him in the studio, like, hey, this is going to be your theme song. This is exactly, I think, like how he would have said it. Because it don't matter what he was saying, it still came out tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. I think some of them really kind of just went for it. And how you said, uh, Brodus definitely stayed in character during his performance. Uh, so this one, to me, I thought was probably the best one, but the crowd really were not feeling it, where our boy fandango was got a randy orton's theme and i think right away like what was what made it interesting is that his look from 2010 actually kind of looks like modern day orton so that made it even even better <laughs> like johnny curtis actually I know right it was great because i was like wait a minute why do you look so much like randy orton right now yeah 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 because <laughs> he, he pretty much had the same kind of trunks and the short hair and everything and his body type is kind of lanky like orton so it just it just kind of fit yeah i think he's just shorter than orton is but like no johnny curtis is tall too yeah, right? he's pretty tall yeah yeah. he's yeah. like six three six four yeah he's one yeah. of those weird tall guys yeah, yeah. and then uh he almost did like a Randy Orton impression. So like, it was, mm-hmm. I thought it was really good. Cause it was hilarious. Yeah. It was hilarious. He did like the slittering and he just kind of really got into the song. So to me, I thought mm-hmm. he, he did the best performance from the group, but like, yeah, I guess the crowd were still like, uh, over Bateman's performance that like, they didn't give Curtis like an opportunity, but yeah, I thought, I thought he did it really well. And then, of course, last but not least, we have Byron Saxton, and I feel like they kind of set it up, set him up for for victory here because he got our boy HBK's theme song. And even then, mm-hmm. like as soon as they announced the song, like the crowd already was cheering for him just because, yeah, like everybody loves like Shawn Michaels' uh, sexy boy theme. And there's like three different generations of people who know sexy boy. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> probably probably four now when you really think about it it's, like, it's kind of crazy <laughs> what what i what i really liked is that uh in the background uh chris masters was hella feeling like his performance he was like grooving to it and everything and then they i think they did like a close-up on brodus's plate uh on brodus's face and he was he was not feeling like the performance at all but it was it was just a good contrast from uh, from the produ- the production team to kind of get those shots. Uh, so yeah, he uh, we it was funny because right afterwards, and even Matt Stryker called uh, Saxton Carlton. So like we're we're already in there where like everyone knows what his character is and and mm-hmm. everything. Um, so yeah, with the with the crowd, like as we mentioned, that o- uh, O'Brien ended up getting booed. Bateman got cheered. 
Novak got booed. Uh, Brodus actually got like a mixed reaction. Curtis got a mixed one. And then, yeah, there was a huge pop for Byron Saxon. So he ended up picking up the victory here for this challenge. Uh, I mentally went with uh, Curtis. I was was riding high on Curtis there. Yeah, I think you and I pretty much had the same vote because like... It it was so good as far as like not only the performance but yeah just so how much he got like the mannerisms of uh, of Orton mm-hmm. down too so um, yeah I think I think he got robbed but it was it was still probably one of the more entertaining uh, rookie challenges from from any season really that I I thought this one was pretty pretty entertaining I agree I can't lie uh, this one came out a lot better than a lot of the other like kind of. Um like the kind of those talk your talk challenges or something like that where they typically give like a monologue like this one came out it's like everybody went out there and had fun it was like normal karaoke for normal people but you know yeah, wrestlers. yeah, yeah. it's like people can relate to it too it's not like a weird like oh i have to cut a mm-hmm. promo um segment so yeah everyone majority of people can relate to karaoke so yeah i think this what i think this is why it worked as well as it did Oh, WWE Championship number one contender, Randy Orton's theme. I hear voices in my head, they counsel me, they understand. Now talk to me. They talk to me. You got the rules and the religion all designed to keep it safe. But when the rules start getting broken, you gotta start questioning your faith. I have the voice. What is my savior? Hates to love, I love to hate. I have the voice that knows the knowledge and the power to rule the faith. You will be singing the entrance theme of the WWE Champion, The Miz. To play, there's a price to pay. Time for you to get down on your knees and pray. I care, you can't say goodbye to the good old days. They're never coming back. Watch your future fade. I came to play to get my dues paid. I guess you had a dream, but it can't be saved. I'm here to stay. Best get out of my way. Can't you play? There's a price to pay. Never come back with that face and pray. Yeah, raging cage and football rules. So right afterwards, then we get a video package of uh, Jacob Novak. And yeah, he is from Kent, Washington. I have I've never heard of Kent, Washington. If uh, if you're from Kent, give us a shout out because we want to know more about Kent, Washington. (laughs) (laughs) We want to know what you're all about. I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you're near Seattle or Tacoma or where's Daniel Bryan from he's from Aberdeen Aberdeen (laughs) yeah I I know Aberdeen yeah I don't don't know know where any of those are yeah I only know where wrestlers are from but I guess we could throw Kent in there now yeah uh so yeah he he kind of gets over his uh his background where he played every sport as a kid his motto growing up was uh DTD determined to dominate he was uh I do remember him being in FCW because whenever I I saw those clips of uh FCW on 
the early YouTube days, I, I do remember seeing his his face on there. Um, and then I think this is the thing that we were talking about before, where even he called himself or not called himself. He compared himself to uh, Jack Swagger. So it was it's kind of interesting how they actually put that in the video package that he uh, he wanted to resemble his body of work similar to how Jack Swagger is. That's such an interesting person to almost kind of like emulate because like Jack Swagger is he was okay. I feel like his best run was the whole we the people thing with Cesaro. Yeah. Yeah. And like prior to that, he was just pushed a little too fast. Yeah. Like the whole because when he's like money in a bank champ and world heavyweight champ or something like that. Yeah, because I I think this is literally the time where he won the world heavyweight title, and even even before this, he was already a former ECW champion too. So they were um, they were already pushing Swagger pretty hard um, during uh, 2010. So, um, hmm. but but yeah, I, I kind of agree. Where it's interesting that Novak was already basing himself on like a pretty new superstar when you really consider it, because swagger was only there since um 2009 um so yeah it's kind of interesting that he was already comparing himself to someone who is who's pretty much fresh when you compare him to the rest of the roster at that point that's true that's very true it's like yeah i'm comparing myself to tall kurt angle because mm. mm-hmm. he was almost like the next kind of kurt angle wrestlery guy that was all American. He was like their new all American wrestler dude. And then Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. He just he just didn't get himself over all the way like ever in the WWE. Who knows about him now though? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just watching him on AEW, he's definitely improved a lot over the last decade. But yeah, I I think mm-hmm. you're right. During this point, I think he probably just needed a couple more season seasoning and it probably would have done him well uh, if during that time to to be in a stable when he was early on in his yeah. career. Yeah, but um, yeah, WWE were not really stable related as much during during that time. Um, but yeah, I think I think overall, I think this was a good promo because like how we mentioned at the very beginning of uh, of the season that we didn't really know too much about Jacob Novak. Um, I even tried to do more research before we started recording this episode and yeah, he, um, his profile is pretty limited. Like he doesn't really have too much where he got signed in early, uh, 20, no, I'm sorry. He got signed in 2009 and did some matches in FCW in early 2010, but there isn't too much, um, too much on him from the research that I tried to do. And, um i don't want to spoil like what his future is because i'll just save that for the season finale but yeah it's uh it makes sense like why we don't know to nexus yeah yeah (laughs) Uh, (laughs) everyone ends up going to the nexus somehow (laughs) Mm -hmm. one way or another you you end up wearing that in yeah (laughs) but yeah i i think that's probably why like when we first found out about the rookie pairings that we were we both said like who is jacob novak it it kind of makes sense now because yeah like he his run in uh in pro wrestling wasn't as memorable um but yeah overall i would say like this promo did a really good job of at least catching you up on like who 
who he was and what his character was. For sure. For sure. No, I agree. Like, um, I don't know. I felt like the 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 presentation of the video was really good too. Like just the overall the way that it looked, I thought was really good. And mm-hmm. then I don't know, something about Novak to me, even though he's an individual, he reminds me of like a default created player. Mm-hmm. Like like a like a fire pro re- like one of those characters in the wrestling video games where they don't have licenses, so they have to make them look like somebody <laughs> who's already there. Like the like the five star <laughs> wrestling game. <laughs> that's like what I was imagining in my head while I was saying it. I was like, basically Firestar Wrestling. He seemed like one of those dudes. I don't know who he would be kind of like almost modeled after. Maybe like Matt Morgan. Like, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can see that. I can definitely but see that. That's what he remind me of. And I don't know. Like, I don't like him, but then I like him at the same time just because he got mm-hmm. that. I didn't have to say anything, but people already disliked him type of heat. So I'm like, you know what? Half of your job is already done. Just mm-hmm. keep me going. And he just kind of like all he has to do is be a little obnoxious. And then he's good. A little smart. Yeah, it, and, you know, it's kind of like a uh, guy. It's kind of like how uh, Eddie Kingston is where like he could be a good guy, but like just looking at him like you already have heel heat against them. And like that's what <laughs> Novak that's like what Novak kind of has here in uh, in this season where you just look at him and you're like, oh, I hate that guy already. Yeah, because like even though Conor O'Brien looked like a rat, I don't look at him like I hate him. He's yeah, exactly. just like a rat. A rat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A, rat, a guy that looks like a rat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and with that, we go into our first match of the night. We get Chris Masters and Byron Saxton. AKA, let me get up there because I forgot already. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. The Saxton Lock. Yes. <laughs> and then we get the Saxton Lock versus, man, what I look at both of them. And then we got Brodus Clay and Ted DiBiase, who is team, yeah, the Money Saurus. I love that one. <laughs> Saxton Lock versus the Money Saurus. And so I was watching this match and you know what really came to my mind in this match? Mm-hmm. Like, why did Byron Saxton stop wrestling? Because I was looking at him in Saxton bumps. Very solid. Like his his uh like in-ring psychology to the point to where like his body, his mannerisms make you believe what he's doing. That he's like either kind of like surprised, hella surprised or like mm-hmm. kind of scared or something like that. Like his mannerisms are hella good. He bumps like dope hyper athletic but i don't know and then i was like man why did he stop wrestling but all in all it was like just kind of seeing him uh lock up with uh with dibiase was really good mm-hmm. they're both um you know kind of like similar build similar build so that was like good seeing those two dudes with a similar build kind of like lock up and get in there yeah we get a really good drop kick from ted dibiase like it was one of those drop kicks that was so good they showed it twice yeah yeah. i seen it i was like ooh, yeah and i almost was about to like run it back myself but i was like you know what they're gonna show it again and they did (laughs) (laughs) so that was like so that was probably one of the big highlights for me from from dibiase Mm -hmm. was his drop kick um, when I think about Clay in this match, just showing his dominance and kind of like his size and stuff like that, but he was still tossing people around with suplexes and stuff. Like he gave Chris Masters a, a really good T-bone suplex. Yeah, it's really interesting in in this season that, like, although we have pros in the rookies, they don't really 
treat so far in the first two episodes from what I've seen, they don't really treat the rookies like they're that inferior to the pros. You see what I'm saying? Like, right, right, right. Clay yeah. got in there and he was still like kind of dominating, you know, like uh, he essentially like got out of the master lock. I mean, sure, you know, DiBiase kind of broke it up, but like a normal kind of like rookie jobber, like you're going out on finishers, like without no type of like comeback or nothing like that. But with this, mm-hmm. it seems like they're a little bit more not even, but they they've kind of like up the playing field almost because like when Masters and Saxons work together, like it doesn't seem like Masters looks down upon him. They have more of almost like kind of like an equal thing going, but like yeah, yeah, yeah. Masters is the one that's more seasoned. Um, I liked how they played with uh, Saxon being overconfident at the end, trying to get it in there and 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 like get, take the win for himself, even though Masters was about to put him away. Yeah. Um. So that was really dope. Uh, Brodus Clay had a good, like he caught Byron Saxon coming off the second rope, and then he like tossed him. That was dope. Um, a lot of good offense, like a lot of good spine busters. Like he got him mm-hmm. spine busted him from there. Yeah, I didn't even know that Chris Masters was a spine buster guy. I forgot too. Yeah, <laughs> this. I was like, oh, okay. This is uh, this is also too where his um, this is after his like initial masterpiece i mean he's still known as the masterpiece but he mm, wasn't but he's not doing the whole flexy he, thing no more yeah 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 so this is i think this is the same time where um i kind of compare him and ted dibiase jr where when dibiase jr also was running his course like near the end of his wwe career um he wasn't doing like the money gimmick as much and he was just like a wrestler wrestler mm. um so i kind of did the same thing with Chris Masters where I think this was more towards the end of his WWE run and he became more of like just like a wrestler wrestler and by this point yeah he was actually putting on really good matches um yeah dude like I myself like when I was watching him I'm sitting there with his, you know kind of regaling at his move set and just thinking like man well, I didn't know he had all these moves yeah 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 or like I didn't know he moved so well like because in my mind I just remembered Chris Masters kind of like from the beginning where he was he would just get in there and like pretty much put the master lock on people and they're like, oh man, you can't break it. But I didn't really remember none of his ring work. Mm-hmm. So this was really good to kind of like see him in ring, get out there bumping and stuff like that. Like I knew DiBiase was solid. Yeah, I, yeah. I remembered that for sure. Like that was one thing that I really liked about the legacy guys because yeah. they were all solid dudes. Yeah. And so that was good. And then uh, once we get Saxon in there to get finished off, uh, DiBiase hits him with Dream Street. And mm-hmm. I forgot that he was doing that. Yeah, I don't know how I forgot, but I forgot because he was using the Cobra Clutch uh, Russian leg sweep for a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah. Or yeah, so he was doing that. So I forgot that he started doing the uh, dreams, the dreams Cobra Clutch slam, like yeah. with, which is one of those moves that's like really cool if you can get in it smooth and yeah. DiBiase got, can get into it smoothly. So he he finished him off good there and Chris Masters just watched him and because when Saxon tagged himself in, he said, all right, let's see what you got. And yeah, he got yeah, finished yeah. off. Yeah. And it's like, that's where you got to learn, bro. Yeah. I, I kind of like how you just said too, where the dynamics where, um, yeah, they're not treating the rookies like young boys, I guess, is, is probably the... Yeah, the, there yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah, is is what I, I was kind of trying to summarize. Because, um, yeah, normally, if the the rookie loses and the pro would be, like, upset or yelling at him 
compared to like previous seasons. But Masters was just more like in shock, but he was also kind of like, see, this is what I was trying to tell you earlier, but not like really upset at him. He was just kind of like laughing it off mm-hmm. and just kind of playing off of it. Um, and then, yeah, same thing. Like I, I think Brodus also didn't have as much training at this point, but he was already getting trained up in, in FCW. But I think that was kind of my notes that I had for this match too, is that he and uh, Chris Masters had really good chemistry together. Um, like the the big the big guys of the match kind of uh, chemistry. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I definitely gave both uh, Brodus and um, Saxton props for for this matchup as as rookies because yeah they they did a really good job meshing in there with with the two pros. Um, yeah, I I really like this match if um, if it didn't come through. <laughs> hey, for sure. Hey, um. Does Chris Masters at any point use the full Nelson slam as a move or does he always just go like for the master lock as just the submission? I think I think. Yeah, I think towards the end of his run, I think he had a mixture of the two where either he finished people with the master lock or uh, people would get out of it. And then, yeah, he would do the the slam as like an alternate alternative finisher at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Chris Masters was a guy who used to use the sky high, too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he had a he had a really good like I said when when he was getting near the end, I remember I don't I don't know if it was on uh full sale NXT or or somewhere, but he was appearing more often in like that kind of like main event slash uh mm. what do you call like Sunday night heat kind of shows. Su- um superstars. Yeah, yeah, superstars and all those. And I was watching those at the time because they were available on YouTube like the full episode. And I just remember watching him and I was like, dude, this guy can go now. Like, I think I think it was either I think it was a combination of like when he first got there, they just told him to be more of a gimmick with the whole like mm-hmm. muscle muscle man character. But then, yeah, when they kind of just let him be like an actual wrestler, he he uh, he had some really good matches. It's masterpiece, bro. Yeah. <laughs> by, by the end of this season, I'm going to be uh chris masters fan watch yeah yeah i i think i think that's probably why we're like i when i saw that he was a pro i was like oh dude that's my boy i i know he's my boy but hopefully he'll prove why he's my boy by the end by the end mm. of the season <laughs> yeah because you know i was i was never really sold on chris masters i didn't like i didn't like the narcissist 2.0 because i didn't like the narcissist 1.0 <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you're not gonna like the sequel if you didn't like the original. If you didn't like the first one, it's like I don't like what you gave to me at first. Like I don't want the reboot at all. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that's just the way it is, baby. Next, we get a uh, backstage promo. Good old mini segment. We get Daniel Bryan and his his rookie. They're working backstage on a new submission move for Mister. Mm-hmm. Um, for Mr. Bateman to learn. So Daniel Bryan's showing him how to do a heel hook. He breaks it down, shows him how to do it. He says, okay, you go ahead, try it on me. He's like, <laughs> all right, I'm going to go ahead. And he does it. And then he starts going crazy. And he's, you know, getting all hyped up and stuff. Yeah. And so I, I, I said that he was getting Superman-tastic. <laughs> and then Daniel Bryan kicked him in the face to get him to stop, get him to yeah. snap back to reality. So that's what happened there. It was a short segment, straight to it. But, you know. Nice to see him working together. Yeah. Learning yeah. new stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I like this one. It was like how you said it, it was very short, but they kind of get over the, um, the chemistry between the pair and it, it did a good job of, uh, 
getting over Bateman's kind of over the top character. What's interesting is that both Bateman and Johnny Curtis have kind of similar gimmicks in the season, but they're kind of wacky in different ways. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I, I see it. Like I, I, I think of Bateman as being wacky, almost kind of goofy. Mm-hmm. And then I think of Johnny Curtis as like wacky, but almost kind of quirky. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're both like wacky kind of characters, but one is a little bit more charming than the other one, essentially. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, ah, okay, I see what you did there versus like, oh, okay, you're doing that again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I like both of them and they're are they're definitely the standouts when it come when it comes to promo work. Um but yeah, I, I think stuff like this helps helps them get over their individual characteristics. Definitely. Uh uh so yeah, after that then we go to a quick commercial break and the next challenge is the infamous obstacle course. Uh what was interesting about this one is that even uh Todd Grisham was saying like playfully anyway he was saying like oh it's everyone's favorite challenge coming back you know uh so i think he even he was kind of playing it up where uh i think it's like kayfabe like everyone's favorite one obviously (laughs) but it it was just funny like the commentators are are even ribbing on on that specific challenge exactly yeah matt striker kind of uh explains the rules and same thing i'll kind of just do a quick recap in case people already know this one uh, this one's simple where there's like some tires, there's like some walls, there's a part where they have to do push-ups, and then at the very end, they have to push like one of the equipment carts up the ramp into the finish line. Uh, but the only difference with this one compared to previous seasons is that this competition is actually worth two points um, because mm-hmm. they said like this one is a little bit more difficult compared to the other challenges. Uh, so the stakes are a little bit uh, higher for this challenge uh i'll kind of just go through it because yeah it's very similar to previous seasons where um jacob novak goes first he kind of sets the pace at 37.9 seconds then uh byron saxton goes next and he kind of awkwardly falls when he tries to jump over the third wall and it it looked kind of bad where i think they even played a replay after he had finished the course um and he clocked in at a minute and two seconds he was kind of playing up the injuries too because he just had that match yeah. so uh i i kind of like that part where at least he was playing playing uh kayfabe on that part o'brien goes next and he also kind of falls on the third wall as well because it's a little bit higher and i guess for like the taller lankier people it's it's a little bit harder to kind of Get Dude, over that there. wall was kicking their asses. Like, <laughs> those were full bumps from like the top of the wall to the floor. I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. Are these guys okay? Yeah, yeah. And they look pretty bad. I'll I'll definitely put <laughs> it on whenever this episode goes out, I'll, I'll play like a little snippet of video in the uh social media post so that way people can see like how bad those bumps were. <laughs> definitely. But yeah, because of that one. That because of that one too, um, Connor kind of uh, slows down his pace and clocks in at forty two point seven seconds. Then we have uh, Derek Bateman. So this one was kind of interesting. So he was uh, he was cranking through this one, 
But the part that was controversial is that he kind of stumbled a little bit when he had to go across the beam. But mm-hmm. the referees didn't stop didn't stop him, so they allowed him to kind of finish. And he ended up breaking Novak's record at 35.7. But then the referees kind of huddled afterwards and they were saying like if he was uh if he actually cleared the um crossing the beam part. But then mm-hmm. um but then they said that he was disqualified. But Bateman was like, but you know, you said I, I got it. But then, so there was some controversy there. Like the fans are already booing. Um, they ended <laughs> up just going with with uh, with Johnny Curtis next. So then Johnny Curtis, same thing. He kind of. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I'm I'm so sorry. I meant to say uh, this was all Johnny Curtis. Before that, Derek Bateman actually said it at 35.7. So Johnny Curtis was the one who got disqualified because he clocked in at. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, no, yeah. I remember now too. He. Uh, I thought he was clean, but they said that he 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 fell off of the beam, mm-hmm. and then so his time didn't count, even though he had beat Bateman's time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then what they moved on to the next person, and then they let Curtis come back. Yeah, yeah. So okay, uh, so Brodus and- went uh, last at this point, but then mm-hmm. he didn't even attempt it, where he was just like knocking over the walls and. By the time he got to the push-up section, they they just DQ'd him already. Didn't Husky Harris do that too? He did. <laughs> there we go. It yeah. just hit me right now because I was sitting there. I think I put it on my notes. So I was I could have swore somebody did that before, or I've seen this this episode. I know I haven't seen this episode. Yeah, that was definitely somebody else. <laughs> yeah. All right, there we go. Yeah, our boy uh, Husky did that one during uh, season two. <laughs> there we go. Because I'm like, wait a minute, this look familiar. Yeah. Really familiar. <laughs> At that point, then, yeah, the uh, Matt Stryker was the one who actually said, like, well, after further discussion, we're actually going to give Johnny Curtis uh, another opportunity. The The referees actually had to set up everything while they were kind of announcing that because, yeah, since Brodus had knocked them down, the referees had to set up the walls again. And, yeah, Curtis ended up going for it again. And what was weird is that the fans were booing him when they said that he was going to get an, a second opportunity, which, like I like I said, I don't know what their beef was with Curtis because he wasn't acting like a heel or anything during this mat- this during this episode. So it was just very strange. Uh, but Curtis ends up like the whole night. Yeah, he was being cool. Yeah, yeah. Some some people in uh, Lafayette just are not feeling uh, Johnny Curtis. I guess I, I, I don't know what it is. Uh, but yeah, like Curtis ends up breaking the record, so he get he clocks in at thirty one point four and picks up the win. So at this point now he gains two points and is in the lead now because the uh, previous winners only got one point. So our boy Johnny Curtis is in the lead so far <laughs> uh yeah i i thought this was uh overall i thought this was a entertaining segment just because of that controversy um compared to other obstacle courses where it was just kind of down the middle but this one kind of gave it a, a little bit of a twist with um the whole restart um angle oh and then uh this one was good because you had people taking cage dives from <laughs> from the <laughs> top of the wall <laughs> yeah taking like bonus bumps for the night when they weren't so, even you know. supposed to take <laughs> oh my god <laughs> oh my um, god 
Terrible. So, <laughs> so afterwards, we get uh, Johnny Curtis's rookie profile package. Ask me some questions I'm never going to be able to answer. We rolling? My name is Johnny Curtis. I am from the mean streets of Westbrook, Maine. I've actually dabbled in a lot of different things growing up. I was actually in the Navy Reserves for a minute. I played a little baseball, a little football, and there was a brief stint when I was a volunteer firefighter. I started training in a ring outside in the woods, actually. My best friend, Kevin, and we shared the same passion. I really considered him a brother. In 2005, I, uh, I got a phone call. He's driving a motorcycle and someone smashed into him and got killed. And it really struck me hard because he was, you know, my first close friend in life. He'd want me to, you know, fulfill the dream that we both had. So I actually, on my tights, I wear dog tags. Because I always wore dog tags with his name on it. Uh, I still do. So what am I to do now? Succeed. That's all I can do, right? This is where it begins. I thought that was really cool. Like I, I didn't know any of like that backstory before watching this season. So I thought that was um, that was really cool of him to kind of bring up. Um, but then, yeah, he kind of kind of gets himself over by the end of this video package, where like it was a good mixture of staying in character, but also kind of bringing up his his background and. Um, yeah, I, I can definitely see like why he's still like a fan favorite to this day because like he just he just has like that natural chemistry with like the audience. And even though he's not like a high profile superstar, like people still really um, pop for the guy, even on modern day NXT. He's charming. He's very charming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Super. He's, he's a very, very charming guy. Like, yeah. You can see it in his face and just kind of like the way that he carrying himself. Like he don't seem like like a jerk or nothing like that. He mm-hmm. just seems like a very charming, likable type person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So afterwards, then we get another quick uh, backstage promo with uh, Jacob Novak and our uh, our season three pro, Vicky Guerrero. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I think we, we kind of both, I think we kind of had the same notes here where like uh, Novak at first seems like he's just like chit-chatting with Vicky, but then all of a sudden, you know, he's, he starts, starts. He trying to shoot his shot, bro. He was shooting his shot, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he tried, uh, and then old Ziggy came through. Yeah. <laughs> Hell no! Nah. Snuck himself right in between them and <laughs> got her up out of here. And he said, "Hold on, Playboy, what are you, what are you trying to do?" Yeah. Novak was like, nah, man, I'm just, I'm just, you know, I just wanted to get some advice. Ziggy's like, advice, huh? Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, I advise you to go watch this main event by yourself. I know. I was like, damn. Like what, what's interesting is that they're, it's like the opposite of what happened last season, which is kind of cool when you think about it. That's karma. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of like the direction that this storyline is going because yeah last season we had the whole drama with uh vicky aj and uh or not i'm sorry with vicky caitlin and ziggler so now it's the opposite way around with um with novak so uh yeah i i I really like this and i think it's it's going to create some good uh some good story Mm -hmm. throughout the season 
Oh, Ziggy getting a taste of his own medicine. That's all that is. There you go. <laughs> Karma. Instant in your face. And then after that, we get our second and final match of the evening, which is also our main event. We get Alberto Del Rio with uh, Mr. Ratitude himself, Connor <laughs> O'Brien, versus Derek Bateman with... Mr. Goatface himself, yes. Daniel Bryan. <laughs> so we got our Bryans apparently look like animals. Yeah. <laughs> so I, th- I thought this was a good match, too. It, it also kind of uh, just to see just solid bumping again from like Derek Bateman. It, it was almost reminiscent of the other match mm-hmm. of seeing like the, the rookies and the pros not not look so like outmatched. But this one was much shorter. Yeah. Um, but even from the beginning, I have to uh, make note of this because we had an announcer announcing an announcer in the beginning. Yes. <laughs> so, uh... The following contest is scheduled for one fall. Let me first introduce Alberto Del Rio's personal ring announcer, Ricardo Rodriguez. <laughs> It's like we had Tony Chimmel introduce uh, Ricardo Rodriguez, who then introduced Alberto Del Rio <laughs> in, in Spanish, of course. Of course. But, uh, of course. But um, I mean, it was pretty, a pretty short, short match. Uh, Bateman got in his... Um, his, it seems to be like one of his like signature moves. He's got that like flipping, flipping neck breaker. I'd say it's like side flipping neck breaker. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we pretty much kind of like get uh, Del Rio overpowering him when Bateman tries a, a missile drop kick and Del Rio moves out of the way. I feel like that's going to be like their finish forever. Like he's mm-hmm. going to try to jump on him. He's always going to move and then he's going to get tapped out. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. what happened here. So when we get um, he gets locked him in. With the uh, cross arm breaker for the submission win, another submission win. We're, we're mm-hmm. just racking these up at this point. Um, we got a submission win in a short sprint, kind of at three twenty. Mm-hmm. Still a good match, a solid showing. I mean, with this one, you can kind of see that uh, Del Rio is he, he's got he's got to be protected. You can't yeah. have him going out there having like show stopping matches with Derek Bateman on NXT when this dude's about to go win like. The greatest Royal Rumble ever, whatever they yeah. called it back then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it was all good. Um, if, if we're just going to keep working that consistency, I appreciate the consistency there. Del Rio and, and Ratitude get to celebrate in the middle of the ring, closing out mm-hmm. the show there. Solid. Yeah. No, I I agree. I, I think this one was, um, as, as you mentioned, pretty much just to kind of keep Del Rio's momentum going. Uh, I know that Bateman will probably get more opportunities to shine uh, throughout the season. So I kind of felt the same way where I, I don't think this loss hurt him one bit. And no. yeah, I, I I'll definitely, I'll be curious on like the matches as it, that he has throughout the season, because yeah, like we said earlier, like he and um, Curtis are very similar in, in a lot of aspects, but they both have uh, different, personalities and different in work in uh, in ring work that um yeah i i can't wait to see like the matches that they that they're gonna have throughout the season 
Um, but yeah, as as you mentioned, that pretty much closes the episode where um, I'll kind of go into my fun facts before we get into the scores. Uh, so not not too many not too many fun facts. Mostly just uh, some in ring debuts where we have Brodus Clay's uh, debut match. We also have Byron Saxton's debut match and Chris Masters' NXT debut match in this season. And from the stats point of view, we are going to celebrate our 100th match next week because as of this episode, there are exactly 99 matches and we'll celebrate number 100 next week all right so uh getting to our scores for the episode uh i guess i'll kick it off with good old commentary uh i think i'm i'm just gonna mirror what i put last week where i gave it a 2.5 um it's still early where i i I mentioned something similar last week where both uh todd and um josh matthews are still kind of you know, getting their groove, figuring out their chemistry. Uh, like I said, there's nothing wrong with the commentary that they're doing, but it's definitely where you have to build like the natural chemistry between your your commentary team. And I think um, very similar to how how it is for the in ring uh, talent that for the broadcast team, I think it takes a couple of a uh, couple of sessions to to finally get your footing and find your groove. So I, I think it's the same thing with these two um so hopefully in the next couple episodes they'll they'll kind of find like that dynamic but for this episode i'll I'll give it a a 2.5 i um man you know what i did the same i went Mm 2.5 i just i think you're right i agree with everything you said they just haven't found their footing yet so nothing about what they were saying really jumped out to me that was helping kind of like narrate the story i feel like for the purposes of this episode, the the stories and everything kind of narrated themselves and the commentary didn't really do much to elevate that. So I personally also went 2.5. Mm-hmm. And then uh, if we're going to move over to matches, I went three. Mm, perfect. Mm-hmm. Mainly because as much as I liked that first match and I thought it played out really good, I wanted a little bit more from the main event. Yeah. Even if it was designed to protect Del Rio, I think we could have even just like, just had a little bit more. Like I, I feel like they might've been given like five minutes of work and I decided to take a, a quick, a quick one out of there. Another yeah. minute out of that match, I probably would have went like 3.5, but mm-hmm. for, for, I mean, but you know, there only being two matches and we got three, like the basic score there could have just been two because there were two matches, but so I went yeah, three yeah. for matches. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think I may have done the same. Yeah, I did. Uh, so I mirrored you there and I also gave it a three and I think it's probably for the same reasons where, yeah, I, I really like the, the opening bout matchup where, uh, that the, the chemistry between all four, four guys were really good. And, um, like how we just said with with the with the main event between Del Rio and Bateman, uh, I think if they run it back later in the season where to give them more time, then you'll see like uh, a potential like match stealer uh, at that point. So 
Um, mm-hmm. So with production, I ended up giving it a 3.5 uh, because of, of everything that we were kind of saying where I think they did a really good job with the production value. The booking of the challenges, I think, were done really well, where the karaoke one was booked pretty well. Uh, even the obstacle course challenge was done well because of like um, providing like that that mix of uh, the Johnny Curtis uh, rerun. And then they're already kind of planting the seeds already with these uh, rookie pro pairings with like what we mentioned with, with Vicky ziggler and novak so they're already kind of they're they're starting the the origins of like these storylines um mm-hmm. throughout the season so i i i really like how the booking team is is doing those um so yeah i i i i gave it a little bit higher score this week because of of what they're already attempting to set up i just changed my score higher mm-hmm. than what i had it just because I, I was listening to what you were saying and i thought about Whereas commentary, I felt kind of lacked and mm-hmm. underperformed below kind of, you know, like hitting that median threshold. I felt like production really stepped it up yeah. and had it to where you could have watched this episode and like had the commentary not been there. Everything mm-hmm. told this, its own story. That's and a, yeah. like, I don't know. I felt like those video packages for the two rookies were like the quality of those were higher. Yeah. I really enjoy I really enjoyed those. I appreciate the production of like making sure the show flow it like it, it flowed very well. Mm-hmm. So I moved my score up to four. Oh wow. Nice. Yeah. yeah I yeah. went from three I went from three and went a whole point up because now that I thought about it, that was probably the best part about the show was the production. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. I mm-hmm. yeah that I I think yeah like well I'll I'll go ahead and move into entertainment because yeah that it's kind of a mixture of it uh I think yeah I think I might change that one too because you made me realize one thing so I originally went with three but I'm gonna give it a three point five now for mm-hmm. entertainment uh because I think that's an important thing that you just brought up when it come when it came to the production where uh usually depending on like the time that I have during the week with, with work and everything, I either try to watch the whole episode in one sitting, or I kind of split it where I watch uh, the first matchup or at least get to the halfway point and then do uh, some errands or whatever, and then finish the rest of the episode later. But this one is where like, I literally sat down, watched it, took my notes. And by the time I noticed we were already at the main event and I was like, wow, this episode just really flowed. And I think, I think that's what you nailed it on the head when it came to like the, the production where, yeah, this episode just flowed so well that it did a really good job of just, um, getting the, um, getting everything right with it. So, um, based on that, I just changed my entertainment score to, to reflect that. (laughs) I actually just did the same thing because as (laughs) I was listening to you say that and just kind of thinking back about the last two scores we had, yeah, I was actually, pretty entertained in this episode like i i was watching it and as i was taking my notes and stuff like i was just like kind of like giggling in between like certain stuff and Mm -hmm. like it wasn't the best in the areas of wrestling that i typically focus on the most yeah but 
it was entertaining nonetheless. Yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. like the beauty of of like sports entertainment because you could be entertained on so many different levels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. or you could just kind of like appreciate it in, in different levels as well. Because like you, in any of these four categories, could be some a person's singular favorite thing about wrestling. Mm-hmm. Like somebody could say, like I really like just being entertained by wrestling. I really like the production of it, or I just love the wrestling of it. Yeah. Or, I like listening to the commentary. So like those alone. And then with this episode, I felt like the production was very, it was, it was a great episode showcasing the power of production. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because that's what carried the episode to be what it, what it, you know, kind of like as best as it could in the, in without like, you know, having to overdo something but still being well enough in production to where like the areas that were kind of lacking still didn't um, like bring the entire entertainment value of the show down. Yeah. 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 Well, I am very curious about this final score now. So with our combined scores for NXT episode 43, we gave it a combined 3.2, which I think, yeah, kind of reflects it where, um, with those updated scores, I I think everything that you just echoed at the at, at your last point is pretty much where when you kind of book a show well and kind of give us a steady flow compared to like modern day Raw and <laughs> and all these other storylines that uh, not only is it three hours long but like the story continuity is just all over the place. With this, it's like it was just a simple watch where. I was entertained by what I saw and the flow of it just was, was perfect. So yeah, uh, I couldn't have said it better from, from what you um, were saying with the overall flow of the episode. Hold up. And for next week's main event, uh, this one is uh, kind of out of the blue because it is a six person tag team match and what's interesting the reason why i say six person is because it's a mix uh mac i don't even know how to say this so it's a mixed six person tag team match i think you could just call it a, a mixed let's call it a mixed six tag yeah yeah <laughs> i'm like how do i even say this uh well that will uh do it for the review portion of the episode uh as i mentioned at the top of the hour uh we if you're listening to this episode more than likely the youtube videos are already available uh but in case if you have not watched them we uh in honor of uh the royal rumble and january in general we're kind of celebrating the royal rumble uh doing these retro style videos from um from back in the day when Vince McMahon himself used to kind of uh, run down these uh, Royal Rumble preview matches. Uh, So we found some lost footage of the women's Royal Rumble uh, that no one ever knew about. (laughs) And uh, if you haven't listened to it, I'll insert the audio of that recording. But uh, this is L Truth's first time listening to it. So you will be getting his genuine reaction as you hear the audio. So uh if l truth wants to check it out molly holly shotsy black eye <laughs> the fashionista jenny 
Billy Kane, Zylee, <laughs> the Nightmare Rhea Ripley, <laughs> Kayla Braxton. Are are you hyped oh, to man. watch? Are you hyped to watch that that Rumble now? <laughs> I'm ready. I'm stoked even. <laughs> My uh, voice hurts. <laughs> oh, dude, I, I don't even know. like. I drank so much water after that. <laughs> it was, it was so, Should you need drink? I uh, like. I don't even know what you need after that, man. You need like twenty-seven <laughs> lozenges, some cola, all that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how he did it. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so yeah, definitely. If you if you want to watch the video version, they are available on our YouTube channel. And as always, we try to push that towards the end of the episode. So um, definitely, we give ourselves a, a plug to uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. And uh, yeah, I, I think that's it. Oh, also, of course, the newly hot, the newly dropped hot. Uh, L Dog 420 T-shirt just uh, on the scene as well, so make sure to. Oh, that's right, yeah. Go buy, uh, go buy L Dog's shirts. L Truth is gonna buy one, so all us L's gotta stick together so these <laughs> L's turn to W's. Yes. <laughs> so if you haven't already, uh, check it out on our uh, online shop as well, which is available on our website. Awesome. So. Uh, I don't think I again like I think I'm gonna sparingly do our um, our shoutouts throughout the season. So I, I didn't really have anything this episode. Did you have any plugs on your end? I think we just plugged Ill Dog shirt, and that's enough for me. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, thanks again for listening, and we will see you next time.